Hey Devils fans, welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. My name is Dan Roselle and I'm joined by John Fisher. Good morning, John. Good morning, Dan. It is bright and early here. We're recording this on a Sunday and it's a Sunday after a week where there's hasn't been much Devils related news. We thought there might be some whispers in the forest, but all that amounted to nothing official. So we enter this week with the same understanding of what the Devils are going to be going through in their season as we had last week. And as such, we didn't want to just repeat the same news that we had. So we went back into our well of existing Devils games and great Devils games of all time. And this is not just one of the great Devils games that we're going to cover today. This is one of the greatest playoff performances by a single player of all time. In fact, there's only one other person who has replicated this performance in the playoffs in NHL history, and that person did it the year after after this happened. So again, we're going back to that series against the Washington Capitals in 1988, where the Devils took Game 7, and we talked about that game as well. But before that, when we were talking about Game 7, we noticed that the team seemed particularly fatigued. We noticed that things were kind of slow, it was sloppy, you know, not a great game overall. This game can help in a lot of ways explain why the fatigue was so intense with these teams because there is not a moment of rest for these players in game three of this series what do you think john you're absolutely right um the ironic thing is that you know at the beginning of the series you know it was understood that this is a division rivalry because back then the playoffs were divisional based so you know the devils and the washington capitals got to see each other many times during the season and washington has done very well against new jersey in 1987-88 and in seasons prior, because the Devils just weren't very good. So the, the understanding was that this was just going to be, you know, the Capitals already fought a hard-fought series. The Devils have nothing to lose. They have everything to gain. But they figured it wasn't going to be particularly nasty. And then by game two, you know, game two had over 160 penalty minutes in total. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> ahead of this game on the broadcast, because the, the what was available online is from the Capitals broadcast, WDCA, DC20. They talked to Terry Murray, and Terry Murray, quote, says he doesn't think this game will be very chippy. That, to say it was chippy would be an understatement, and this sort of stuff over a series does build up over time. To buy, So by the time you get to a game five, a game six, a game seven – you're literally carrying injuries. You're carrying extra bumps and bruises. You're you're icing up in between games more often than usual. And as such, you're just tired because you're playing all these games in a short time span against an opponent in a series where everybody's just trying to smash each other in the face or in the back of the head in some cases. Yeah, this was already rough, but if you thought that game game three is pretty much where the physicality of the series peaked, as oh, you'll yeah. see by the end of the game, there's barely any players left to actually play the game. But let's launch into it with the context that uh, Lou Franceschetti had missed eight of Washington's nine playoff games up to that point, and he was known as their tough guy. And it's very important that we note his presence in this game because he factors in to a lot of scraps that would go on during this contest and also you know it it, he did manage to find some shots on goal too so he wasn't exclusively a tough guy for this series but it seems like washington was down a guy as well right and in game two uh perry anderson one of washington's noted tough guys picked up a game misconduct because again that game got out of hand and apparently it was his second game misconduct. So back then that required a one game suspension. So he was suspended and that's how Francis Franceschetti got into the lineup at all. And uh, to think <laughs> Washington was down a tough guy. You wouldn't have noted in this game, thanks to the immortal actions of uh, did I say immortal as I meant immoral, because I do mean immoral in this case mm-hmm. for the likes of Dale Hunter and Kevin Hatcher, who if you thought Tom Wilson was bad, 
he looks like a child compared to how nasty these two were in this particular game alone. Mm -hmm. And not only is Francis Getty uh, factoring in here, we were watching the Capitals broadcast of this, which was actually, you know, incredibly insightful and pretty balanced the entire um, broadcast. I really enjoyed how they really did not display any sort of homerism whatsoever towards the Capitals. And just because the the news was centered more around the Capitals lineup changes. So uh, we have Jeff Greenlaw, who is also a rookie playing in his first playoff game. And then the goalie was Clint Malarchuk to start the game, even though Pete Peters had seen a bulk of the duties that po- uh, that postseason up to that point. And we know that Peters was the goalie for game seven as well. Right. I mean, Peters did get lit up in game two. So I'm thinking the thinking was, well, we lost 5-2 at home to the Devils. Malachok's feeling good. Let's just give him a game. Because after all, the Capitals did very well against New Jersey in New Jersey for the last three seasons. Something like a 10-3 and three record. Eight, yeah, I so, think it was 8-3 or something like that. Or 8-3, rather. The point is, is that the Capitals had every reason to go into Game 3 thinking, yeah, we got this. And if we figure, let's give our goalie a night off. Let's give the other guy. Malachok's a veteran. He had an okay season. Let's put him in. See how he does. <sighs> How do you do? Let's let's find out. Well, so if you know game, the final score, you know how well he did. Yeah, no, I mean, you look at this final score, and it's not even how bad he did. It's the fact that both Washington goalies played this game, and you can see that in the box score. But, you know, regardless, we start this game off, and after an early flurry from the Devils, Ken Danico takes a penalty pretty much immediately, and he, he basically stuck up Peter Sundstrom, who, important to note, was a Washington Capitol while Patrick Sundstrom was a New Jersey Devil. And Patrick Sundstrom is very crucial to this game. Oh, yeah. This is the Patrick Sundstrom game. Mm -hmm. If you want to call this game anything, it's the Patrick Sundstrom game. Perhaps the Patrick Sundstrom game featuring Mark Johnson. Exactly. But we'll get into that in a a moment. His muse, Mark Johnson, uh, in this game. And and that all being said, Danico takes the early penalty, but really no harm done uh, against the Devils, as Greg Adams also evens that out by taking a penalty himself. It's an offensive zone penalty for interference. Yeah, he he, he knocked into Burke. Exactly. And... Early on, this was going to set the tone. <laughs> yeah, it was going to be it, it, chippy, it was going to be rough, and people were not going to be happy with each other as even early on, Burke starts taking um, taking umbrage towards this action. Right, but the, the one penalty that actually started making a difference came, uh, it was the third penalty of the game. Jeff Greenlaw, rookie Jeff Greenlaw, takes a slashing call. And of course, this is 1988 in the playoffs, so this is not a simple slash of the hands. This is a two-hander, and... Um, you know, basically, it's a two-on-one. The power, the Devils' power play struggled to begin with until it didn't. <laughs> yeah, well, they were and, entering this game at 13 for 55 on the power play in the playoffs, which is just silly. That's a silly number to reach for the playoffs. And it, we know, you know, from this game and other playoff games that we watched from this season, it ended up being a lot better. So, you know, this oh, yeah. power play, which started kind of slow, eventually finds a, a shot that goes wide from Ken Danico, bounces to Sundstrom off the boards, and he finds Johnson right at the point for a power play goal, and the Devils take the lead. Well, it's a little different. Uh, Dano actually took the shot that tipped in. You're thinking of the play that led to that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But that's, that's, I mean, no disrespect to you, Dan, or anybody else who watched this game, but the white balance, of, while the broadcasters were good, the broadcast really could have used the white balance check. <laughs> Uh, DC 20 didn't their, their production truck was not on their a game as much as the broadcasters were, but nevertheless, Dano took a slap shot from the point 
And Johnson tipped it in for a power play goal oh, near the end right. of that call. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was Sundstrom's first point. And I want you to point out that that is Sundstrom's first point of the night. That's Sundstrom's no first point and Johnson's first goal. Yes. And um, what's impressive is that the Devils continue to attack because Washington just really struggled to get out of the gate in this one. It's not as if the Devils were just uh, burying the Capitals in shots and forcing them to play defense all the time. It was just like Washington just couldn't put like three things together. Like you can give them C-A-T, but they couldn't spell cat. <laughs> that's that's how they played in that first period. And you got to see Ken Danico as an offensive monster in this period. Yeah. He's storming, storming in the slot on you know, on offense, he's rushing to the blue line to keep pucks in play. He's he's moving and grooving. He's just he's just not just a tough guy on the ice. He was uh, flexing his offensive muscle in this period. And I'm glad the broadcasters took note of that in particular. It, it, a lot of the Devils' offense was running through their defensemen. It was it was strange to see in a time before they had Stevens or Niedermeyer, but the the broadcasters made sure to emphasize like, look at all these point shots they're getting off. Look at the support that the defensemen are providing. And Danico was a big part of that, surprisingly. So. You know, good for him in the early parts of his career. I'm sure, you know, this was very important for the Devils in manifesting offensive opportunities in a game where some of their biggest offensive stars didn't really contribute all that much. And that's what happened about just before the 14 minute mark of this period. So here's here's how here's my understanding of what happened, because, again, the white balance and, you know, 1988 broadcast quality here. So just off camera, Dale Hunter. Oh, Dale Hunter is so dirty, Dan. Mm hmm. He is, he is so dirty, he makes pigs look clean, even if they're in a mud pit. <laughs> I believe Pat Verbeek was rocked by a blindside hit by Hunter. And mind you, this is like away from the play. Like, the puck's nowhere near this this hit. Yeah, it was Gustafson so Hunter... who hit him. Oh, okay. Well, no, no, it was Hunter that hit him, because Muller, Kirk Muller, chased down Dale Hunter from behind to fight him, which is rare in of itself, because Kirk Muller is many things, but a fist thrower is not one of them. Okay. Actually, no, I take it. No, I take it back. I, I think the hit was by Gustafson. Hunter might have said something, which is why Mueller started chasing him ah, down. That's what happened. Yes. OK, mm-hmm. I got it back. You you are correct. Again, I blame the broadcast. So the point I'm trying to make is that Gustafson got the interference call mm-hmm. and then Mueller and Hunter engaged in a fight that wasn't classified as a fight because they both got roughing minors. Right. But that would be the last we would see of Mueller in this game. Yes. Yeah, because uh, so... apparently oh, go ahead. he suffered a forearm injury and went to the hospital. Yeah, this was between the first and second periods. We knew that he was, you know, being tended to by a doctor uh, for his forearm. And then between the second and third, we were informed that he was being taken to a local hospital. So no Kirk Moeller. Um, right. We didn't see much this game at all from Aaron Broughton or from John McClain. You mean McLean? McLean, yes, as uh, pronounced by the DC-20 team. But that all being said, the offense was still plenty prevalent because... Out of this whole situation with uh, Gustafson off for interference, the Devils find another one. And it's not – it doesn't really look like a power play goal. No, this is just a simple breakdown by the Washington Capitals penalty kill. And mind you, this penalty kill had a young Scott Stevens, a young Larry Murphy. It, it wasn't a bad team. Like, this is the second round of the playoffs. Of course, Washington's not a bad team. Right. But you wouldn't have known it for this penalty kill because – the the Capitals penalty killers just lost, just completely lost the plot, you know, to use English, use an English phrase here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened is that somehow McLean wins the puck behind the net. So he that's one. And he throws it in front to Sundstrom and then Sundstrom has Stevens behind him and Sundstrom puts makes this 
absolutely beautiful no-look backhander pass to the slot to get the puck past Stevens. And Mark Johnson is all alone in front of the net. And the fact that he's all alone in front of the net is a problem, Dan. Yeah. Because that means you had one defenseman on McLean, a.k.a. McLean, according to the DC-20 crew. Stevens had Sundstrom, and he was beaten by an excellent pass. Where was the Capitals forwards, you ask? (laughs) Somewhere in another time zone. Mark Johnson took this pass and one-timed it in for his second of the game, second power play goal of the game. Devils are up 2-0, and everybody at the Brendan Byrne Arena is happy and loud. Yeah, Mark Johnson, American hero, makes it 2 nothing with the second power play goal of the game and his second one assisted by Patrick Sundstrom. So if you're keeping track, that's two goals for Johnson and two assists for Sundstrom up until this point. Uh, it was here that I put a note that I was surprised that they let air horns into the arena in general because they were <laughs> very prominent for a brief period of time. It was almost like a wall of sound effect going on. Oh, yeah. I loved how loud the crowd was, even though I don't know if it was how it was mic'd, but the, the metal ends were just as loud as you can possibly be. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. it just added to the atmosphere of the game. Yeah. Um, hearing awesome. all the let's. Yeah, it was fantastic. What was not fantastic was um, Randy Valachek, you know, future color commentator on the radio programs, uh, taking a holding call against Dave Christian. And of course, holding in this game is not, again, not like today's type of holding where you just grab a guy's jersey or their shoulder for like a second and that's a call. No, holding in this is, is more akin to a football tackle. Mm-hmm. So after Christian was put on the ice. That's a fair call. Um, <laughs> it's a fair call. It's a fair call. And then, of course, during that pa- penalty kill, which otherwise was very good. The Devil's penalty kill was otherwise very good tonight. One of their best penalty killers, Claude Loisel, and... Yes, yet again, Dale Hunter. Mm-hmm. They are slashing each other and beefing in front of the net during the play. They get called. So this becomes, you know, a shorthanded, shorthanded situation because, you know, I'm sure the Capitals are like, hey, cool. We took off their best penalty killer and Dale Hunter's in the box. So job done. And then um, the Capitals do get on the board because uh, the puck just gets loose in front. Um, Dano tried his best, but he was behind behind the play. Adams, uh, Greg Adams basically occupied him. Dave Christian got the loose puck in front, gets denied on the first attempt. I think he hits Adams with the shot. And then he's got Sean Burke beat dead to rights and it's 2-1. Yeah, so it's 2-1 late in the period. And again, it's another power play goal. So up until this point, all the goals were scored on special teams. And again, that's if you're counting at home, that's two penalties for Dale Hunter already. So there's many more to come. Oh, yeah. And this the beef is starting to cook here, Dan. Like, the, we're, we're not like the flames aren't up here, but the, the skillet has been, um, you know, it's been buttered up. It's been oiled up. It, you know, it's ready to go. And the beef is starting to be put on this particular uh, on this particular oven. Yeah, we're at rare uh, to up, medium rare. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so this brings us to the end of the period. One final note of is that the broadcast has noted how. One, it was weird to hear the crowd just boo Scott Stevens a lot because, mm. you know, he is a hero in New Jersey. But uh, the broadcast has made a point of it saying, oh, he had a really good season. And he did have a really good season in 1978. Uh, they said that, you know, he should have consideration for the Norris. As it turned out, he finished second in Norris Trophy voting mm. to Ray Bork and was named to the NHL All-Star team. So he really was one of the best defensemen in the league at this time, which is remarkable considering he did not play well in this game. Yeah, he, <laughs> he did actually, not play well in this one. He got an assist on that Christian goal. Um, yeah. And, <laughs> and, you know, that play that Sundstrom made, that's something that I think any defenseman would have been fooled by. It was just a very astute behind the back pass for that. True. Um, for that goal. 
But True, but his night was going to get worse. <laughs> yes, it, it was going to get markedly worse. And it doesn't take long for it to get worse, as 57 seconds into the second period, a uh, another goal from a familiar face, it's Patrick Sundstrom getting his first goal of the game, and that's assisted by Claude Loisel. So, yeah, and this is this is a lot of great work by Claude Loisel here. Um, he basically, you know, the Devils are in the middle of a line change. And the thing about 80s hockey, Dan, is that there's just a lot of dump and chase and long slap shots. Like, it doesn't matter if you're in a two-on-one, you have nobody in front of you in the goaltender. If you're 40 feet away, you're just going to let it rip, because why not? Anyway, but there's a big dump in, and Loisel just beats Gary Galley to the puck here. Like, he just straight up beats him to the puck. There was a nice textbook hit on him, wins the puck. And he just throws it out in front. And because I, I don't know if the Capitals were also changing, because it may have been the end of their shift, but virtually nobody is in front of the net here. Um, Clint there Malichuk, were two Capitals on Loisel in the, in the back. He actually, you know, faked out one of them with where he was going. There was two that were covering him, and Sundstrom was just sitting in the slot by himself. Yeah, Sundstrom came over the boards, just darted down the middle of the ice, and Loisel just threw the puck in there. Sundstrom just banged it in. It's 3-1. I'm sure if you're a Capitals fan, you're just sort of going mental, going, oh, my goodness, what what the hell is happening here? Like, how do you how do you let Claude Loisel beat two of you? How do you let Sunshine get off the bench? It's you're, you're less than a minute in and you're already down three one. It's... So what do you so so what do you do if you're the Capitals in this case, Dan? What well, do you immediately do in instigate several fights. Exactly. <laughs> and we got that. We got one right before the face off, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg Adams took on David Malley. This did not go well for Mally. No, <laughs> it was never uh, going to go well for him. It was not going to go well. And then shortly after that, we got Craig Wallanen and Jeff Greenlaw, which did not go well for Wallanen. And then in the middle of that, uh, Brendan Shanahan and um, Greg Smith were, were pulled apart. They were trying to beef each other. We didn't actually end up seeing exactly what happened, but they both got thrown out of the game for this one. Yeah, so they're calling it in tend to they called it intent to injure and yes. they slapped on unsportsmanlikes uh during this play for McLean and Franceschetti as well and McLean got a cross checking out of all this too <laughs> and this is weird cuz McLean's not a guy that normally would do this no they were just, just this pissed off the entire game and like you know for good reason given the frequency with which these fights were happening but yeah so let's let's track who's out of the game now then we lose Shanahan and Smith so one player from each team is now out of the game due to attempt to injure it seems like they were both uh, the interpretation was that they both maybe tried to spear each other which is like that was the toss oh yeah definitely and and that would that would probably be the case again good job by the broadcasters for because that's a reasonable speculation. And ironically, in the intermission, in the intermission, uh, the Capitals broadcast were interviewing an ex-ref who were discussing, um, you know, the game. And of course, the ex-ref says this game wasn't that chippy. You know, there's been some serious attempts to injure, and I got to explain how attempt to injure works from an ex- from an ex- you know from our standpoint. And, and intent has to be explicit. And apparently, whatever the ref saw then was absolutely explicit and spearing would totally fit that uh, MO. So on the ensuing Washington Capitals power play, just to give you a <laughs> breath, power there. play. That's funny. That's... <laughs> uh, ensuing Washington Capitals uh, power play that happened because of the extra call to McLean, uh, things don't go so well for them. And the Devils... power kill. Yeah, they, the Devils get a shorthanded goal through Claude Loisel, and this is one of the few times that Patrick Sundstrom won't be involved in the score sheet tonight. It's, it, it's actually... Like, most shorthanded goals, Dan, are usually like breakaways or odd man rushes. This one, the Devils honestly just forechecked and had three de- Devils in the offensive zone. <laughs> With four players total on the ice. 
yeah, Randy Valachek literally stepped up to the blue line to keep the puck in play. He fired a shot towards the net, and Loisel tipped it in. It's 4-1. It's beautiful. And Valachek gets relieved at this point. Yeah, the broadcasters were just calling out how lazy the Capitals were at this point. And they honestly were. Like, you're down 3-1. It's a playoff game. You got a power play. And you're letting three devils, you know, just just basically bully you on the forecheck. Like, that doesn't – that shouldn't happen. That just shouldn't happen. And mm-hmm. it did happen, and it was glorious. And I guess, you know, Brian Murray decided, you know what? Pete Peters can give this team a spark. Pete Peters can give this team a lift. And, and in his defense, he was marginally right for a period of time yeah, before it all fell be. apart again. But, of course, we have some more beef before we get to uh, things falling apart again. Our boy, Dale Hunter, <laughs> decides decides uh, throwing a punch at Patrick Sundstrom after an offside call. By the way, he's been targeting point. him all game up to this point. Well, he's been targeting anybody in red, white, and green. But, but especially yeah, he, Sundstrom. Yeah, he does. Um, Sundstrom responds, and and, the, and Dennis Morrell, or I'm sorry, Denis Morrell, the rep, the broadcasters kept calling him Dennis. Maybe it is Dennis. I'm not sure. Um, gave him matching minors for roughing. So this is now penalty number three for Mr. Hunter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at this matching... point, the Devils have five players in the box because someone is there serving um, McLean's extra one. Yes. And the Capitals have four players in the box, so things are getting very crowded already. Yep, and everybody everybody's jaw jacking, everybody's spitting the verbals. No this is not gonna get any better, Dan. <laughs> no, especially at four one when, you know, clearly the ice has been tilted in one direction and at this point, you know, Verbeek streaks out of the box and there's a big save by Peters that kind of sets the tone for okay, maybe it's not gonna be as easy to score on this guy, at least right away. And there's a lot of, you know, rough housing that happens and in classic Scott Stevens fashion, which I always appreciate about him, he didn't immediately launch into throwing fists. He just kind of waited for the right moment and knew how important he was to the actual results of the game. And that's something that, you know, he's been good at even like since his Washington days, through the Devils days, what have you. But um, with all that being said, Washington got a few more opportunities. They started... Uh, really settling into the game and a two-on-one by them led to a goal for Larry Murphy. There was some miscommunication though as Burke seemed to want to direct Danico to take away the pass by all means and Danico waited just a little bit too long and they couldn't really figure out where the puck was going to go. Right well it was also a really good move by Murphy because Murphy led this rush up ice and he basically looked off for the pass which is probably why Burke was calling for protect the pass, protect the pass. So Danico was more focused on M- Michael Pavanka coming down the middle as opposed to Murphy. And Murphy just launched a really good shot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a very high shot, you know, one of those shots that most of the time probably misses the net by a good two feet, but he hit it perfectly. So it's 4-2. And then Dano, unfortunately, decides a minute later, I think the best thing I need to do is to turn style Gary Galley with a, <laughs> with a hold. Yeah, he pulled him down pretty blatantly. And uh, it wasn't great. But... No, it wasn't great. <laughs> and then on the resulting power play, our boy, Dale Hunter, he's back out of the box. Um, well, he's been out of the box for like five minutes and figured, no, I got to go back in. So he and Joe Sorella were beefing in front of the net. Uh, basically, Burke froze a puck. Hunter jammed at it. Sorella decides to pile on to him. And then, you know, after a whole bunch of why I oughtas and I oughta actuallys, um, they both get matching minors for roughing. So Hunter gets his fourth penalty of the game. <laughs> And the power play continues on. And then just after the power play ends, um, 
Michael Gart. I'm um, yeah, Michael. Michael Mike Gartner. <laughs> Michael Gartner takes a loose puck, uh, which was a result of uh, a poor capital getting just kind of bottled at the sideboards. Puck goes free. Gartner just kind of just takes it in, cuts to the middle, uses his speed, and um, just you know puts it past an unaware driver and uh, Sean Burke, and it's four three. And all of a sudden. This game is close, Dan. And it was a good move by Ridley from his knees after he got stood up at the line, basically. Yes, it was with Ridley, like, thank you. Like a full cross check to the face. Not to the face, but to the chest, basically. That it was a high down. one, yeah. Um, and from his knees, he made the play, and the Devils seemed to lose one of the best goal scorers of all time, and he walked in and you know made it look easy. And Gardner did look quicker than most other players on the ice. True. It was noted by the broadcast that both Dave Christian and Mike Gartner were having, you know, they were slow Mm -hmm. in terms of getting onto the score sheet. So they were both encouraged by the fact that Christian got a goal in the first period. Gartner got his goal. It was both their second goal of the playoffs at that point. And given that they were, you know, as you said, the big important parts of their uh, offense in Washington, it was important that they get going. But thankfully for the Devils, they they would just be kept to those goals in this particular game. And and then we get some more beef, Dan. <laughs> endless and this, beef. We're at endless... uh, we're at pretty medium well at this point, given what happens in the third period where we just scorch the entire you know brisket. But at this point, we have so much fighting going on. We have Verbeek versus Franciscetti. Um, eventually, it turns into Greenlaw and Curvers, Velichek. Adams both get unsportsmanlikes for their scrap. You know, th- there's stuff going on in the play between these, but these are just the remaining fights that we have. And the context is that it's only a one goal difference when the scrap between Verbeek and Franciscetti happens. Right. And there was also other scrums that almost became fights. You had Patrick Sundstrom engaged with Larry Murphy, Aaron Broughton engaged with Scott Stevens, Tom Curvers engaged with Peter Sundstrom. I mean, they only called Verbetti, I'm sorry, Franciscetti and Verbeek. Um, and it's remarkable that Verbeek, and mind you, Verbeek would do some nasty stuff in this game too, but it would pale in comparison to some of the capitals in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, there, you know, Dennis Morrell, mind you, this, there was just one ref back then and two linesmen. Uh, this, this game probably would have made a great case for you wish you had two referees just to keep everybody at bay here because the, the men in stripes were just kind of overwhelmed. They kept calling things, which was good. They just didn't give up and swallow the whistle. But um, you know, they, they earned their money tonight. And mind you, this was all after an icing. Yeah. <laughs> like, like guys. They basically like, took any stoppage as an opportunity to start a fight. Pretty much. Everybody was just angry with each other. And uh, the reason that Washington was particularly angry before this one, you know, is frustrated for Beak and Francis Getty been drawing all game. But the next fights that happened were because the Devils eventually scored a goal right after that Verbeek and Franciscetti scrap where Peters tries to poke the puck to his defenseman, Dave Christian, but it goes off of his skates right to awaiting Sundstrom, who was in front of the goal. He sent it towards the goal and it kind of squibbed up and Carlson, Anders Carlson finishes it for his first goal of the playoffs and another assist for Patrick Sundstrom, restoring a two goal lead for New Jersey. Right. So this is Sundstrom's fourth point at this point. And this was, this is pretty much the big, you know, fluke of the night for the Devils because, you know, Peter's the puck just got away from him. I mean, the poke wasn't very good, but you know, you can't predict that it was going to hit Dave Christian on the back of his skate. And honestly, Sundstrom just kind of, just kind of shoveled it towards the net and Carlson just got enough on it and just kind of squirted through. It was one of those like, Oh, Oh my goodness. I can't believe that kind of happened goals. Right. Um, But it definitely did not look good for Peters. 
and it did not look good for the Capitals. And this did this did nothing to increase the peace in this game because <laughs> about two minutes after this goal, then we had, as you mentioned, Greenlaw and Curvers having having their own Donnie Brook getting. Um, you know, but just some nonsense behind the play. That's my note for it. It was just nonsense. <laughs> and that nonsense actually swung the momentum back a little bit as, you know, if we talked about this being kind of a weak goal in favor of the Devils, there was a weak goal against the Devils as Burke lost the pu- He closed his catching glove too early and it bounced off and into the net. It was a very yeah. savable shot. Yeah, right off a draw too. So, I mean, Larry Murphy just ripped a shot from the point right off a faceoff and yeah, Burke... Burke should have done better. Simple as. He, he, You can see it on the replay. His glove hand is entirely closed before the puck reaches it. So, you know, it, it lapse of judgment there. It's 5-4. to four And, again, Washington just refuses to go away. But that's the last goal they would score in this game as things very quickly got out of control. And after a brief reprieve in the fighting besides the Velashek and Adams scenario and a Bruce Driver holding penalty, which was more or less inconsequential with 15 seconds left in the period the devils find another goal and it's something that this this play was pretty weird with 15 seconds left well let's take a step back first because before the velishek and adams it uh, squabble uh you had another devil's goal uh doug brown oh, doug brown that's right and this is another piece of evidence that Ken Danico at one time of his life actually contributed to offense. Um, but more seriously, he got the puck at the point. He wound up, fired it, and Brown tipped it in. Um, basically, Gartner was just trying to clear the puck off the glass. It just took an odd bounce. And Danico just swooped in, had a go, and Brown tipped it in. And it's now 6-4. to four. The Devils, you know, the Brendan Byrne Arena is happy. The Devils are now feeling good, and the Capitals are not any any less uh, unhappy about this because they were just miserable and bitter the entire game. Yeah. And then, you know, that led to the Velichek and um, Adam's beef. We also learned, we also got an update that not only would Mueller not come back because he went to the hospital, but Carlson was also out because he got hit high earlier. Then we get, um, you know, as you said, the aforementioned um, inconsequential penalty by a driver. And then 15 seconds left. Just at the end of this pat penalty kill, Danico blocks a pass. I don't know how we got an assist credited for this because yeah. like, he didn't actually make a play here. He he just kind of had his leg in the right spot. Joe Sorella just clears the puck up, and the puck either hits Stevens and gets away from him, or it hits the board just before it got to Stevens and got away from him. But it just put Stevens in no man's land. Because the puck was far enough away from him that he can't reach for it. And mind you, Stevens is a big dude. Like, if it can't, if he can't reach it, it's pretty much at, unreachable. Right. And Sundstrom was just in the right spot on the ice to just charge ahead, take the puck, and just go off on a jaunt towards the net. And just went off and, and finished the drill with a plum. Wonderful breakaway goal. His fifth point of the night. It's 7-4. to four. And Peters was just beaten clean on this one. So, the broadcast, the broadcasters correctly noted that Stevens was kind of dogging it on the back jack, but they noted that it was the end of his shift. He was out on the power play out there for quite a while, so he was understandably tired. But they had they had no mercy on Pete Peters for this one. Yeah, and they, you know, it was something that they believe he should have saved, even though it was a one-on-one uh, breakaway. And if you're keeping track at home, like you said, Patrick Sundstrom at this point has two goals and three assists. While uh, Ken Danico, by the way, has three assists for himself at this point. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're a big fan of Ken Danico and, you know, lots of you are Devils fans, so you are, this is, you know, this is one of the most productive nights of his entire NHL career. <laughs> and, you know, these aren't OK. This assist was kind of the cheap one, but the other three are not. They're all primary assists yeah. and they were all very much directly involved with what led to the goal. So, mm -hmm. you know. So it's it's seven to four now, Dan. Yeah, the second comes to an end, and it's seven to four. But there's only a one shot disparity in terms of shots on goal, which is interesting. Seems like both teams are pretty even that period in shots on goal, and the scoring was five to three in favor of New Jersey just in the one period. Absolutely, and you know this is one of those games where, in, in many senses, you kind of have to throw out your conventional thinking in terms of how you would analyze a hockey game in terms of who did well and who did not, just because of all the penalties involved. Because yeah. so many players were just not available for long stretches of this game or this period, rather. Like Dale Hunter, you know, say what you want about Dale Hunter, but he took himself out for four minutes of this period. You know, McLean was out for you know four minutes because he got a cross-checking and unsportsmanlike conduct. Randy Valachek had a double minor at, you know, in this period, even Suntrum was gone for two minutes. So everything was just sort of just choppy and mixed up in terms of lineups, in terms of who was matched up against who, in terms of the run of play. So I think it's just a credit to the devils of just making the most of their mistakes while they did get punished for a couple of their own. For the most part, they did more than enough to give themselves a cushion so that instead of they, they were more worried about losing the lead instead of losing the lead outright. It's so hard to track who's taking what penalty and who's actually on the ice or even able to be on the ice at a given point. And that started in the second period and very much continued through the third. I think we should take a uh, quick pause. Yeah, the third the third is its own podcast. <laughs> yeah, it is a whale of a period to get through. So we're going to pause real quick and be right back. All right, welcome back. And after the first two periods, we, we let you know the Devils have a 7-4 lead that they are retaining. And immediately, 48 seconds to the third period, as if this wasn't the theme of this game already, Doug Brown takes a holding penalty. Now, yeah, he basically just held up Miller and he fell. Easy call. Um, of note is that Clint Mallertuck is back in net for the Washington Capitals, so that should tell you exactly how Brian Murray felt about Pete Peters in that period. <laughs> <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so, so Mallerchuk's back in net, and the Capitals have a power play. It's seven four. It's not impossible that they could make a comeback, but the the Capitals' power play in this case was just the definition of stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. Burke made a nice kick save at one point, and Brown, um, Brown did something amazing coming out of the box because he he did not get a point on what would happen, but he should have just because he made a great indirect play here. He comes right out of the box, Dan. The puck is being moved to the um, the near side point, close to the penalty box, what I by, by, by near side. And Brown just got in the way of Galley to basically negate him from reco recovering the puck at the point, making it go loose, which allowed Mark Johnson to recover it. And Mark Johnson threw it up to Patrick Sundstrom as Mark Johnson head fo headed forward. And then as Sundstrom was about to be impeded by a cap, he threw it back to Johnson cutting down the middle. And Johnson just beats uh, i'm sorry beats malarchuk straight up it's eight to four he gets a hat trick six point of the night for sunstrom and the hats are raining down and we get a great shot of the capital punishment sign from the from the far side <laughs> corner boards in the capitals end which is a really nice sign by the way very good artwork right um 
And, and at this point, the broadcasters are just basically yeah, they're just basically saying, yeah, this game's pretty much over. The Capitals are not going to come back from four goals in a game like this. Oh, <laughs> not from the, the way they were was playing. Not to be over, sadly. Oh no, no. This is this is only just three minutes into the third period here, Dan. <laughs> and just just for all of you uh, paying attention, this period took about an hour, almost an hour and ten minutes of a broadcast time. Yeah, this, <laughs> this wasn't like alone. commercials. This this wasn't like we're gonna cut for a break and come back when we resolve everything. This is we're gonna show you everything that happens, including the resolution. Yeah, so we get we get a delay due to all the hats being uh, cleaned up, and there were a lot of hats being cleaned up. This this arena was full and super happy. Lots of lots of people wearing jerseys in the crowd too. Uh, so I guess more and more people were getting into buying jerseys in New Jersey at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, you know the Devils nearly score again. Uh, Doug Brown had a great chance in front. Uh, Johnson had another shot in the slot. Uh, Malachuk made a rare save, and then we get. The first, I guess we, I guess we would say this is the most violent moment of the game. So Maley gets hit, and he is on the on the ice, clearly in pain. Yes. And <laughs> what happens then is that Ken Danico goes after Kevin Hatcher for the hit. Yeah, Mealy, Hatcher, Hatcher basically blindsided Maley in the head with an elbow. Right, and you you think, oh man, this could be a disastrous injury but apparently it's not bad enough to prevent Maley from skating over as the third guy in the fight and he also goes after hatcher and then stevens uh scott stevens gets involved in the scrum as well and then pat verbeek uh skates out but he doesn't officially join in the fight at least on the penalty sheet yeah so effectively yeah so you've got dano pounding hatcher Maley jumps in and then stevens gets kind of involved and then you have Gartner holding Verbeek back. And mind you, this is Mike Gartner here. Like, this is not a guy that's known for the tough stuff. Not to say he's not tough. I'm just saying he just doesn't do it that much. Like every, And then Stevens just kind of loses it. And he just starts taunting Jim Schoenfeld, the mm-hmm. Dallas coach, as he's being pulled away. Like, he, he's, you know, Ver, I, I don't think anything Stevens is saying could be said on this broadcast <laughs> or, or at all about the jersey. But he was just spitting, at, spitting it out there. And then Stevens is opening the penalty box door to get taunt Maley <laughs> and then Maley is jaw jacking and they actually cut twice to commercial as they're still sorting out the penalties. And mind you, this is at 4:40, So like there's still just over 15 minutes left here, this game. And this is an eight, four and... game. Like there would be more scoring after this, if you can believe that, but this is the moment where, it really took forever, and then there was misconducts on each side, one for Maley and one for Stevens. Right. So here's here's the final result here, just just to kind of sum it all up here. Mm-hmm. Stevens gets 17 minutes. He doesn't get a game misconduct. He just gets a regular misconduct. But for 17 minutes, he's effectively out of the game anyway because there's less than 17 minutes in, of, in regulation. Mm-hmm. Danico gets two and a five, so he gets roughing and fighting. Maley gets two, five, and a 10, but his 10 is a game misconduct. So David Maley's out of this game mm-hmm. entirely. And then Kevin Hatcher gets a double major for fighting. And this is where the broadcasters raise an, an actual good point here is that they don't understand how Hatcher got two majors, but Dano didn't get an instigator, even though he very clearly instigated the fight. Yes. <laughs> like it, it, the broadcast had this amazing art like shot of, you know, Maley's on the ground in pain. And then in the distance in the corner, you see number three just kind of. <laughs> heave Hatcher into the corner boards <laughs> to start the fight. I mean, to, to a point, if you're going to give a double major for Hatcher, I can agree. You should have given a double major, at least to Dano yeah. instead of giving him a roughing. Cause roughing was effectively, you were fighting, but we're not going to call fighting. 
Anyways, so the Devils get a five-minute power play, but it's cut short. And then it gets cut short again because Tom Curvers decided that tripping up Mike Gartner during this four-on-four situation was a good idea. So we get a rare three-versus-four penalty kill where the Devils looked like they had five men on the ice. Because <laughs> yeah, the Capitals just failed to take advantage of anything at this point. Right, right. And... Um... You know, at this point, Washington is so disheartened and so frustrated that, you know, the broadcast is mentioning that they have only three defensemen left available for the game. That's right, because Stevens is in the box. Um, Adams is out. Adams is out. And um, Greg Smith is out because mm-hmm. he got the attempt to injure call. So, you know, their, their, their blue line was to a point where Gustafson had to play defense. <laughs> and let me tell you, Brent, Brent Gustafson, he's not a bad player, Dan, mm-hmm. but he's not a defenseman. And we got to see that examples of that later in this period. Yeah. But, but eventually we get a short power play uh, greeted by lots of air horns. And um, it eventually ends with uh, Sundstrom dishing it with uh, Peter Sundstrom on his back. So Sundstrom on Sundstrom near violence here. Mm-hmm. Twin, but on Sundstrom, twin. twin on twin. Twin on magic here. But Sundstrom had the magic, dished it to Johnson, who's inside the inner left circle next to the slot, and he one-times it in. Four goals for the American hero. Seventh point of the game for Sundstrom. The arena goes nuts. It's 9-4, to four, and the and the and and they roared when the, it was announced, and the PA actually announced this in full, that with that assist by Patrick Sundstrom, he has now tied Wayne Gretzky for the most points in a playoff game in NHL history. And the crowd went nuts, and this was greeted by Aaron Broughton taking a slashing call. <laughs> yeah, I, it, up until that point, like, if you're just watching the game and you notice all these things happening, like, if you're not specifically paying attention to Sundstrom, this is the most, like, low-key NHL record that we've seen. This is, like, it, it suddenly sneaks up on you that, oh, my God, this guy has seven points already. How did that even happen? I There's been, what, at this point it was two goals and five assists, so... He's really, you know, making the plays happen while he may not be finishing them specifically, although he did in the game. This was very low-key until they made that announcement. Everyone's like, oh, oh, my God, it's a record. Like, congratulations. Good job. Yeah, and... yeah. All the violence, all the beef, all the, you know, you know, nastiness on the ice just overshadowed the excellent, excellent game that was played by the um, by the uh, unit of Sunstrom and Johnson. And Dano, even to a degree, like we're, we're talking, we talk more about Dano's fight than his right. four assists. Right, right, right. But um, anyways, so Aaron Braun, as I mentioned, this is not a little cheap slasher. He two handed a dude in the in the kidney. Right. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, 10 seconds later, Dale Hunter decides I need to ruin my team here. Yeah. So he in response to the Aaron Broughton slash Dale Hunter, uh, counter slashes and does a lot more than that yeah so we missed this on the actual broadcast for some reason the broadcaster team did not decide to find the replay of what exactly happened but way behind the play the 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 play stops and he gets two front sportsman like and a game misconduct Mm -hmm. now the box score at hockey reference says he also got a, a slashing penalty and a gross misconduct but on the pa announcement at the arena they only announced the unsportsmanlike and the game misconduct Mm -hmm. but nonetheless he was out of the game Uh, that's another one out of the game and that's another another player out of the game well hunters and hunters are forward so oh no not defenseman yeah just a player just another player and it's remarkable that it took this long for hunter to be thrown out of this game since you know he was guilty of a number of different acts 
up there. And even the broadcaster noted that, hey, when the Washington Capitals hired, you know, I'm sorry, signed Dale Hunter, they knew exactly what they were getting out of him, given his time in uh, Quebec. You know, he probably said some words in French to to Dennis, uh, Dennis Morrell, because, again, the broadcasters get calling him Dennis. Um, yeah, so so they speculate that Hunter just said some verbals to, to Morrell and Morrell basically just said, I had enough of you. You're out of the, you're out of here. Right. So goodbye. Maybe a period and a half too late. Yeah. And um, so there goes the Washington power play, which wasn't likely going to do anything anyways, because Washington was just completely out of sorts. And then we get Verbeek deciding to do something stupid. Uh, he basically rabbit punched a capital from behind on offense. <laughs> I didn't really understand the logic there. Uh, he it's very clear that he just punches someone in the back of the head. Yeah, straight up. And <laughs> it's only two for roughing because it's 1988. It's the playoffs. It's the third period of a game where an elbow to the head led to a massive, massive uh, brawl. Right. So, yeah, in all things in relative proportion, that's only two minutes for roughing in this world. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, it's four on three effectively. And once again, you know, the Devils' penalty kill does a great job. I guess they're the unsung hero of this game here because if their penalty kill was not on point, the Capitals could have made this, uh, you know, like a 10-9 game or something very close like this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they could have. There was. I, I made a note when it was seven to four, and the Capitals had that power play to start the third period, which was like, if they're going to come back, they have to score here, or else it's just not going to happen at all. And <laughs> I mean, I knew they weren't going to come back. I like, I already knew that. But in terms of watching the game live, that was the sense I got. Like, if they didn't capitalize on that opportunity, they had zero chance. And obviously, we were proven right because of that penalty kill that you mentioned. Yep. They didn't so let uh, we them get... get all the way back in. No, they didn't. And it's a credit to the Devils in that sense. Because even though a lot of them did get a little extra nasty and went, quote unquote, beyond the proverbial line. Um, and there will be a couple more uh, cases of that in, in the remainder of this period because we ain't done yet with the penalties. We're, 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 we're barely halfway through them all. Yeah. Uh, and the catalyst for the next one after that Rubik punch was Patrick Sundstrom setting the record for most points in a playoff game with his third goal of the game. And honestly, he just charged in and casually flipped a backhander five hole. Yeah, basically, just before that, Dan, we had two incidences that almost you know, led to another spark. Uh, Velichek tried to run Larry Murphy, but he straight up missed him. <laughs> so that was just more like a Cam Jansen, like, I just ran I just ran the boards moment. Doug Brown led a two-on-one with Sorella. Brown got saved because Malachuk, you know, did indeed make one save in this period. Um, you know, and then Gould straight up cross-checks for Beak in front of the net. That doesn't get called, which... I guess was important because if he didn't cross check him for Beak would have scored then. Right. But yeah, Dano just flipped it up to Sunstrom. Sunstrom just beat his man, carried it in uh, over the new, over the blue line and just straight up beat Malachuk bat, you know, with a backhander. And, you know, the broadcasters are just giving it to Malachuk. Like I think the color guy said, you know, the Capitals, you know, the guys in front of them let him down, but you need goaltending to win you some games. And the <laughs> Capitals did not get it tonight. And it's like, you, oh man, poor Clint Malachuk. Right. You can yeah, see that... Sundstrom just grinning as he gets that puck. He almost knows he's going to score again because the the way he shoots the puck is all, it's so like flippant almost that it's just like, all right, whatever. Let's just give this a shot. Yeah. It, he's basically like, I'm Keith Hernandez <laughs> since I'm making a Seinfeld reference here or, you know, as they say in basketball, he's unconscious. Mm -hmm. Basically, you know, no matter what he does, it's going to work. And it worked for Sundstrom. He set the record. And immediately this record gets overshadowed because ten, just after that, we get another massive melee in the neutral zone. 
I think that is started by, oh goodness, uh, Dano crushing Galley, and then this <laughs> led to Danico and Greenlaw fighting, Conacher and Murphy fighting, Loisel gets involved and gets a double roughing minor. Which, which is weird, and Galley gets a rough as well, so it turns yeah. out that the Devils have an extra penalty, but uh, Murphy, Conacher, Danico, and Greenlaw all get misconducts here. Yeah, so they're effectively out of the game at this point, and now the Capitals are down to two defensemen. <laughs> so so we get to see the rare five-forward power play uh, year, decades earlier than you know it's now in vogue to say, hey, don't have so many defensemen on your power play. Here, the Capitals had to do it out of necessity. Right. <laughs> and... Um, as we would expect, it didn't really work for them. Well, also, Gary uh, Galley was in the box. That too. Yeah, exactly. So um, Christian and Gustafson got to play the points, and um, the Devils enjoyed that on their penalty kill. <laughs> yeah, they <laughs> didn't have to do too much on the penalty kill besides pressure the points, and, and very quickly it was clear that there was offensive players on the point. And if it wasn't bad enough for Mallerchuk's bad night, he decides to end this power play early by throwing a throwing a nasty shoulder at Mark Johnson on yeah. a dump in. I mean, initially the broadcast was thinking, oh, you know, Johnson must have ran, you know, Mallerchuk. And then on replay, like, oh, no, Mallerchuk initiated the contact. You know, it looked like a shoulder tackle in professional wrestling. You know, he just sort of took down Johnson to prevent him from playing the puck. Class, classic uh, interference. So there goes that penalty, uh, that power play for Washington. Not that they were going to do anything. And then Belichick decided to tackle Franchetti. <laughs> to give him one more power play to play with. The Capitals doesn't do anything with that one. The Devils just continue to attack to the end. You know, I don't think they were just trying to look for number 11, but they knew the Capitals were vulnerable. You might as well shoot your shot if you can. Then we get one last pile up. Galley basically shoved Verbeek hard into Mallerchuk. A pile up ensued. The penalty should have just been on Galley for roughing, but at 1908 of this game... Who cares if it was matching? <laughs> yeah, just get them off the ice at this point. Um, and then, and also, and you know, Malachuk was pissed. He was so angry, and I guess that speaks to his frustration for the duration of this game. But it was very obvious that Galley had pushed Verbeek into him. Oh yeah, definitely. And you know, he he had every right to be unhappy in this particular game because again, you know, he had a bad game, but the guys in front of him were also bad, and all the beef. All the nastiness, all the the fists, all the words did nothing to help their cause. Uh, This was a classic game of the Capitals and the Devils were already unhappy. And as the Devils just kept lighting it up, they kept flinging pucks into nets almost at will at times. You know, the frustration just boiled over to a point where it was just an on-ice tantrum from Washington. And... this was a classic game for the Devils. They won 10 to 4. I don't think they've ever scored 10 in another playoff game. I, I stand to be corrected if that's the case, but this is arguably one of the biggest blowouts in Devils playoff history. Sundstrom set an NHL record. He ruled. Mark Johnson ruled. The penalty kill ruled. The crowd ruled. I really like what I saw out of Loisel and Brown and Dano from an on ice hockey playing standpoint. Not so much the fighting, but when he was able to play hockey. He, he was very good. And Joe Sorella had an underrated game as well. There was just a lot of good things out of the Devils, performances outside of the tough stuff and the rough stuff and the illegal stuff. Right. Yeah, and it was a fun one to watch. It was just like, it's weird to know that this is the backdrop against which Patrick Sundstrom set an NHL record. And this is something that 
you know, this isn't a small record. This is something that's only been done one other time in the playoffs, and it was by Mario Lemieux the next year. Um, in terms of getting eight points in a game, it's only been done a handful of times, the most recent time being in February 2012 by Sam Gagne. Uh, who remembers of that? Of all players. Yeah, seriously. Um, but otherwise, in the playoffs, it's only Sundstrom and Lemieux. That's the only guys who have done it. And, you know, Sundstrom's stat line from this game, three goals, five assists, eight points. He had... Uh, Plus five, he had a 100% shooting percentage. Those three goals were scored on three shots. He pretty much had the best possible game you can have if you want your team to win a playoff game. And Mark Johnson and Ken Danico were huge parts of it as well offensively. McLean managed to get uh, two assists as well, and Loizel had one and one of his own. Exactly. And you got also solid contributions from guys like Doug Brown. He only got one the one goal, but it was at a good time to help put the game out of reach effectively, you know, basically give the devils that uh, extra bit of insurance in that second period when the capitals did make it close. He did also have six shots on the game, the most among the devils. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's not like he didn't try Carlson granted his goal was more of a fluke, but again, it helped uh, stem the capitals comeback at its time. And again, you had a lot of um, yeoman's efforts from players that maybe didn't get on the score sheet, but did enough, you know, in certain shifts or certain moments to either draw a penalty or to make a good play on the penalty kill or to make a good read to uh, make it possible for someone else to step up and get a point. Um, I don't think any devil really did poorly in this game outside of like Mally, who basically was just there to take penalty minutes. Conacher was a non-factor. I didn't like Bruce Driver in particular in this game, you know, but I mean, I'm splitting hairs almost at this point. I mean, yeah. the devils won 10 to four. And their penalty kill was awesome. And yes, as much as they got out of hand, they made a point of it to get the score out of hand and maintain their lead throughout the game. So credit to them. Big win. Huge win at the time since it came off a 5-2 win in Washington two days prior. Unfortunately, the Devils did nothing to build off of this one because they lost 4-1 in game four two days later. But... But As so, you know, the you know, Devils eventually did prevail in the series. <laughs> yeah, they managed to get a 10-4 to win without any contributions on the score sheet from Aaron Broughton, Brendan Shanahan, Pat Verbeek, and Kirk Muller. Yeah, that's that's remarkable because Broughton and Muller in particular were two of the key points of the uh, Devils' offense back in those times. And also Tom Curvers. Absolutely. And they the broadcasters made a point to say, oh, you know, Look at this Devils blue line. You know, they added Tom Curvers, and now this blue line's pretty good. And in this game, they were. Yeah, they, they did exactly what they had to do. And again, this is one of those games that I don't know if we'll see anything like it again, given the amount of penalty minutes. You know, there Oh, was... no, no. Guys would be thrown out way faster. Well, no, there was the classic scraps in, you know, those uh, mid-2010s Islander-Penguin games and things like that. Um, yeah. Those, those were very many penalty minutes, but I think – all these games are outliers. It's sh- completely shocking that this kind of thing happened in the playoffs. Yeah. And game two, the, the day prior, they did bring up on the broadcast that game had over 160 penalty minutes alone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, somehow this game was incredibly nastier than that one, which in of itself is usually an outlier in the playoffs. Cause you know, it's the playoffs. And as, as Terry Murray said before the game, you know, you want to be physical, you want to show, you know, you can, you know, you know, be tough, but you can do that without going to the box and giving the op- the, op- the opposition opportunities to uh, score on the power play. And of course, the Capitals completely disregarded that and gave up three power play goals in this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Devils' special teams got three goals and a shorthanded goal. So, 
Yep. You know, it's excellent work. Well done all around. Great game for New Jersey. Unforgettable game for Patrick Sundstrom. And that kind of brings us to the end of that game three uh, in 19 in the 1988 Patrick division uh, final. So obviously, again, when we know that there's more Devils related news, we'll be sure to cover that in the podcast. But if there isn't, then uh, we'll make a note of that and make sure to link to any games that we might be watching to fill the gap. Just because the only news that could come out right now, it seems, is about the executives, and we'll be guaranteed to have some news by the end of next week anyway, since the draft lottery is on the 26th. Let's go no no placeholders to win the lottery. Let's go no placeholders. <laughs> and uh, I mean, honestly, Yeah, I wasn't quite point, sure how to say that, but well, so basically just something, where I'm at. Something worth bringing up is the news about, you know, I'm not going to sit here and talk about journalistic integrity and the Toronto story. There's that's not the point. The point is that there are players that have tested positive and what does that mean for restarting the league? And that's something that I think is yet to be determined. So obviously as we have more news, we'll, we'll stay updated to that here. And if the draft lottery should change in any way, you'll know that as well. Yep. All right. So all that being said, stay safe out there. Let's go devils and we'll catch you all next week.